Hello, welcome to Crossroads Church. Welcome to the first Sunday in Lent and our new series, Now and Not Yet. And uh, we're so grateful you're with us. Sorry I have a mint in my mouth. I didn't plan that very well. Uh, But it's so great to have you here with us. To our folks that are online with us, we say good morning to you. Um, We're so glad that you're uh, part of our online service, which is a part of this. And whether you're with us live or listening or watching later in the week, Uh, We want you to know that we would like to pray with you and receive communion with you and worship with you. So we're so glad that you're with us. If you do have a prayer uh, that you'd like to send to us today, you can do so uh, on Facebook. And you can even do it uh, by sending it an email to crossroads at ccmonline.org. And we'll be praying those things with you all through the week. We'll be receiving communion together, um, and so if you haven't already done so, make sure you get your bread and your juice, and we'll receive communion together in just a little while. And as I said, we'll be praying and giving into our offering, and you can give online at ccmonline.org slash give. If you've got any questions about what's going on here at Crossroads during the season of Lent, uh, or at any time, you can go to our webpage, or you can also check us out on Facebook and find out all the important information. So if you're online, we say welcome to you all. Our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 25. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in the Lord will ever be put to shame. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Don't remember the sins of my youth, please, Jesus. Don't remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Amen. Let's pray together as we prepare our hearts for communion and as we celebrate the sacrament of communion together. We're reminded of the love of Christ and the desire that Jesus had that we remember the life and the death and his resurrection each time we celebrate together. And as even as our team is preparing to receive communion and then to pray the prayers of the people with you, let's prepare our hearts. And as we've just done, we've quieted the noise of the week, but we know that was just a small part of it. So let's let this communion meal continue to be a prayer for us. And let's begin this time together by saying, Jesus, we remember you. Jesus. And even as we are quieting our hearts, we know an important way that we can do that is to pray in the way that Jesus taught us. Let's pray together. The Our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. When he was with his friends, having the meal together, on the night that he was to be betrayed, he took the cup and blessed it and said, take this and pass it among you. As for me, I'll not drink it again until the kingdom of God arrives. Taking bread, he blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Eat it together and remember me. Jesus, we remember you. And then Jesus did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant which is poured out for you. And when you drink this cup together, remember me. Together we say, Jesus, we remember you. And so you're invited to this communion meal together, whether you choose to come up and to receive it, receive a blessing, or you can go to the back and there are the sealed cups back there. We invite you into this communion story, the story that began with Jesus and his friends over 2,000 years ago. You're invited to come. And as our friends are continuing to receive communion, let's begin to pray with our community and the prayers of the people that have been brought with us. And we have Julia and Ryan and Shauna to pray with us today. I pray for my mom at home, sick. Bless her and heal her body to overcome whatever she's going through. Prayers for our neighbor who passed away this week. We pray for his soul. That the retirement process goes easy because it scares me. I pray peace and wholeness over my friends and family. May they all see you in the midst of the chaos. Prayers for Israel and all the people. Healing for Terry and Karen. Healing prayers for those that we know. Names mentioned are Jane, Julia, Shauna, Helen, Connie, and Gary. That our family would see each other with loving eyes and loving hearts. for my friend that just got diagnosed with an illness. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to pray together as a community. We thank you that you are faithful and that you are good. And we pray that peace comes to every single person that has lifted up a prayer, whether they posted it 
up here with us or on the board or just in their hearts, God, we know that you hear us. And we thank you that your peace can surround us in the midst of anything. And we believe, God, that you are with us. And we thank you. Amen. God, how thankful we are for this season of Lent, this season reminding us of the things that are most important, this season that reminds us of all that Jesus has done for us, and this season that reminds us of the things that we can do together. And part of that is giving into this offering. So God, we give in with grateful, with hopeful hearts, uh, knowing, God, that you increase our ability to work together work when we do things together and that giving is no different. So God, we give uh, and are grateful to see all the amazing things that you'll be doing in this region and throughout the world through it. Amen. And we also pray for the kids as they go upstairs to wilderness camp. We're grateful, God, for the things that they'll learn about you, the exciting ways to explore a life in you, oh God. And we pray blessing on them, all the teachers, their parents, this day and this entire week. And it's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We pray for all these things. Amen. You're welcome to come to give into this offering as we sing and we celebrate this song again. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Crossroads. We're so blessed to have you with us this morning. Especially if today is your first day, we would love the opportunity to connect with you, to say hello to you, uh, to give you a free gift. So if today is your first day, you can meet me over at the Next Steps after service, right over there where the light and the coffee are. I'll be over there and uh, would love a chance to get to know you. Also, I want to just share with you a few exciting things that are happening here at Crossroads. We have our girls' Bible study that's coming up. So if you have a teenage girl, it is going to be on the first and third Sunday of the month, uh, right after church, 12 o'clock to 1.30, lunch is provided. That's for middle school to high school girls. So if you know a middle school girl, high school girl, or you are one, we would love to have you. Everyone is welcome. Another great opportunity coming up, uh, led by Tashna. You may have heard her message a few weeks back. If you haven't, you want to go back and listen to that. There is a Bible study that has been formed from her message the Sunday that she spoke, and it's called A Place, A People, A Place, and A Just Society. So that is going to be a great group that starts next Sunday, also right after church. So if you're interested in that, you can sign up just by snapping the QR code or coming back to the next steps. If you're watching us online, you can go to our website, ccmonline.org, and look for groups or connection, and you'll find it right there. Uh, also, I wanted to tell you, of course, we know we're in the season of Lent, and um, I want to draw your attention to back at the cross that we have at the back of the room. There's a table underneath with lots of uh, Lent resources. So we invite you to go back there, pick and choose what would be a blessing to you. There's things for individual use and there's things for family use. And uh, they're just great resources by our very own authors, creators, and um, people right here at in the Crossroads family. So Take a look back there, and also uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook because there's a lot of other things happening throughout the week that, um, that we would love you to know about and be a part of. So thank you. Thanks, Kathleen, for keeping us straight. Yeah, us thanks, Kathleen. Way. That's right, that's, that's right. There's the, there's the fan club right there. And... Uh, 
so <laughs> grateful for the ability to have a next step, um, you know, yeah. as we realize that this is, uh, this is a conversation start. starter on Sunday morning, right? And then you continue the conversation wherever you go, where, wherever you eat, sleep, play, work, you get to continue to have the conversation. So happy to, to be a part of the conversation with you. Yeah. Thanks. Happy to be with, with you, too. <laughs> I know you weren't talking kind of to I me. I am talking to you, too. But I felt like yes. part of the group. So. You are, for sure. I can be part of the fan club. Right. Here we are. Everybody group hug. Are you ready? Yeah, that's right. Here we are. Yes. I'm going to start with glasses because I see this as... A challenge? Um, yeah. Well, we're beginning a series called Now and Not Yet. Can you all say that now and not yet? Yeah. And so typically we live our entire lives between the now and the mm -hmm. not yet, right? Mm -hmm. And so there are ways for us to continue to keep walking. Um, and, okay, this is, this is like off the cuff. So, Mike, do you think you could tell us what you wrote me in the email this week? This was so um, on fun. The spot. And, and but if you want to say no, I'll have to like look it up in my email and bring it up. But come on up so just for good. a second. It was so Everybody good. Everybody, welcome, Mike. Hi, Mike. <laughs> these these mics right here work just great. They might not be tall enough for you, my friend, but uh, but we'll work on it. Like right up there. All right, excellent, excellent, yes. I'm, I'm going to tell the short version. Yeah, okay. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll, sure, I love the version. That's what we all say up here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. Well, so for many years I traveled a lot, um, and that I moved a lot, and for uh, over a, a period of a decade I moved ten times in ten years, and that led me to a large number of churches and a large number of traditions, and on one of those journeys I was living in New York Staten Island, attending an Episcopal church, and was involved in the church and, and, and liked what they did from an outreach and from a children's perspective. And uh, Lent came up, and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do, and came to a decision of what, um, uh, what, what I was going to give up for Lent. And that wasn't the easiest thing in the world, I'll tell you what it is in a second, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> uh, at, at the end of Lent, Easter came, and then there was a big feast at the uh, priest's house, or the preacher's house. I can't remember in Episcopal. Is which one is Priest, it? Yeah. Priest. Priest. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yes. <laughs> so, so we were at the preacher's house, and there were about 40, 45 people there. And one of the people there was the, the local bishop. And the bishop and I were talking about different things of, involved with the church. And one of those things was, well, did you give up anything for Lent? And I said, yeah, well... I did, and he asked me what it was, and I told him that I gave up red meat and hard liquor. And he visibly blanched. He stepped back, and he said, well, you know, some things are just too much. <laughs> so so that, that's the introduction to this message. Because yes. Scott wants to talk about fasting today. Oh. And so I don't know what you're giving up this time. You don't have to tell, but we'll invite you over for dinner at the end of the 40 days. And, yes. see. and then we'll see, we'll see how I did versus the last time. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> so let's I, say thanks I, to Mike. Everybody. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> I just had an idea. I think I'm going to give up giving up anything. That's what I might do. I might try that. Anyway, yeah, let's jump right into this scripture. So uh, as Claire uh, and Mike have already started to talk to us about, 
um, we're going to talk, because Lent uh, is the season of, it's one of the seasons of fasting, um, and we were having a conversation in our creative team this week, and it was brought to our attention that, you know, that even the term fasting sometimes is intimidating, and uh, certainly if you're new in church, you're like, oh gosh, what's this going to be about? Um, but hopefully we can have some conversation just around uh, how that is an invitation to this life-giving experience. And Jesus did it, um, as we'll see in our scripture today. Jesus practiced fasting. Um, but we just want to kind of put it before you as this uh, addition by subtraction, just to make more room in our life for some additional things that God might be wanting us to do. One of the things we want to do during this series with our kids up and and doing their wilderness camp, which is their journey through Lent, um, just like Jesus started out, it's just beautiful, is we're going to try to bridge what's going on upstairs a little bit. Obviously, we're having an adult conversation here, which is uh, not as mature as the one that's probably going on upstairs, but... um, We are going to try to bridge that best we can. It won't be the exact same content, but so that families, when they're sitting around the table, can maybe talk about some similar things. So uh, hopefully you'll notice that. So anyway, here we go. In Mark chapter 1, why don't we all stand and read this together? This is Mark's version, which is always a compact version of things that Luke and Matthew generally said with much more words. So here we go. Let's read together. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Yeah, so you guys can go ahead and be seated. In Luke, uh, Luke, just a couple of verses in Luke here, it's worded a little bit different, as we mentioned, and you guys have probably noticed. Uh, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of those days, (laughs) he was hungry. Sounds like that makes a lot of sense, right? Mm -hmm. So um, one of the questions that our kids are going to be talking about upstairs and we want to talk about here uh, and consider is what, uh, what would the world look like if it were more like God? And then what can we do about that? How does this directly impact our life, right? So what would the world look like if it were more like God. In other words, if we could see God's presence and activity more clearly than we already do, uh, what would the world look like? It's a great big question, isn't it? That's a big, big question. Yeah. 
So we generally, I think, when we face a question like this, I think our natural tendency is, uh, well, in order to make the world look more like God, we need to add a bunch of things to what's going on in our own life uh, and in the world. If we could just add these things, and there's certainly some wisdom to that and certainly truth to that, but we actually want to look at it kind of the converse of that. Possibly, could it be that the world would look more like God if maybe we paid more attention to some of the subtraction that should happen or some of the uh, giving aways in our lives. And by that, God's presence gets carried out by each one of our lives and by the church, right? So let's, as we approach this, we want to invite everybody to just consider that even starting now in our own lives. Perhaps... As we enter into Lent fully now on this first Sunday uh, after Ash Wednesday, we've, we've moved into this space of how can God's presence be more pronounced in my life? Um, and what might I yeah. want to, right, Remy? What <laughs> I might want to uh, give away in order to have that happen. So mm-hmm. Lent and fasting goes hand in hand. We want to just, there, there's so much we could talk about here, and we don't want to overburden you with a, a lot of conversation around uh, what is fasting. We want to keep it at kind of a foundational and healthy level. So first of all, just know this, fasting isn't a way to make God love us more. Can you we get me. an amen, amen, everybody, that is an amen? Like, yes. like if, if you don't even fast, it doesn't mean God's going to love you more or less. This is not about that. Um, and also, it isn't simply an external action. So the giving up of something... The fasting of something, we'll give you one of the definitions of fasting in a second here, but uh, it doesn't change the way God feels about you. That's not the point. We don't give things up in order for, to please God. That is not what fasting's about. And it's not just an external action. So think of it in these terms. Part of the reason to pay attention to even how to approach is you're trying to do some inventory in your own life and heart, and you're trying to get alignment with your internal and the external. If simply your fasting is external, that just becomes a religious exercise. It really leads to legalism. It's one of the ways that we get led into legalism. Because if all we're concerned about is what it looks like on the outside, that's just what it does. So mm-hmm. we're looking for alignment. What's God trying to do in me, in, in my interiority, and how, do, how can I match that up perhaps with some external actions? Okay, so fasting is re- the reducing or eliminating something or an action from our lives for a time or a season. Fasting makes space for turning our attention toward God. All right? It's just literally to make more space so we can give more attention to God. I think all of us, um, I, I, I think all of us are involved in conversations at times, and when we, have enough, uh, when we have enough space to even pay attention to the question, is my life too cluttered? Is it too full? Right? Now, we want to bridge, and maybe this will be helpful, because fasting, for some people, when we have the conversation, uh, can feel like just too much. Right? Like That's, the bishop. 
That right. is just it's, too much. It's just like that's too much. Um, so we want you to realize that fasting and simplicity are kind of uh, two sides on the same coin, okay? So fasting and simplicity, so think of it just in terms, maybe it would be easier for all of us if we just think of this in terms of simplicity. It's two sides of the same coin, and they're intricately linked. They share common principles and values. They intersect in profound ways, and they enrich our spiritual journey when lived into in a, in a healthy way and our overall well-being. It's just good for us, right? So the primary benefit of fasting or simplicity is eliminating clutter from our lives. So when we think of clutter, um, just This is think... where Scott gets to preach to me about my closet. <laughs> he I'm fasting preaching the regular, at people. You know, I'm trying to fast preaching uh-huh. at people, especially my wife. Yes. Anyway, hopefully you'll all be beneficiaries. We'll take of a that. picture of your closet and my closet and bring it next week. Nice, that'll be great. <laughs> Let's do that. He's like, shh, just little pieces. Okay. Mine is like, oh, shh. Yours is more artful. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> much more artful. Mm. So when, when you think about, so just think of your own life. When you think about kind of uh, the clutter or decluttering your own life, um, really interesting, isn't it, that Jesus goes out just to declutter, in a way, his life for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, So the low-hanging fruit in this conversation always becomes, and this may not be, you might, there might be other things you would think of, but kind of the low-hanging fruit in our lives as a culture is technology, right, electronics, uh, perhaps that's cluttered up your life, or food or drink, which is really kind of the scriptural imperative. But uh, I think what's important for us to know is uh, simplicity and fasting is more about our whole life. And just understand that scripture really fake focuses on the food and beverage piece of this. Not that that's not really important for some of us. It, it's obviously important, but the reason there's so much, one of the reasons there's so much attention given to it in the scripture is because it's an agrarian, essentially, time in history throughout most of the scripture. So that's just the conversation, right? What's going on around the table. Uh, for us, overcommitment, busyness, hurry, sickness. And then there's material things. I love this quote by Arthur Gish. He says, we buy things we do not want, and I would add, or need, to impress those we do not like. Isn't that a great quote? We buy things we do not want or need to impress those we do not like. So um, to be conformed to that which is healthy is to be like God. And to conform to that which is unhealthy for us is to be unlike God. So the conversation really comes down to most simply put, is what are some things that are not the healthiest for me? It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, I love Claire. Claire has talked about Mother Teresa at times, uh, and she uses a quote that's a famous quote of Mother Teresa's, like, to will the one thing. To will the one thing. And the the beautiful thing about that is obviously our lives have a lot of important things going on, 
but to be able to kind of simplify your life into what's most important. Some of you might more relate to this uh, from a, like a business perspective. One of the practices I've heard Warren Buffett talk about is a great practice is to write down the 25 most important things in your life and list it out, the things you would most want to give your time and attention to, 25 things. And then he says, once you get that done, go back and write down five, the five most important. And then he says, those other 20 things, those are really some of your biggest enemies because those are the things that will keep you from what's most important in your life. So our conversation is simply around when Jesus invites us, when the scripture invites us to a time of simplicity and fasting, the practice of it over a time, in in this case, the invitation during Lent, It's an invitation to what is most important in my life and how can I give most space to that. That's what's most healthy for all of us. And what's most healthy for all of us is always moving in God's direction. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, how can I keep the most important thing the most important thing? Yes. So wilderness camp today, they're talking about what if this world looked like God out there in the wild? I mean, just think about this for a minute. God fully human and fully divine out in the wild. Out with wild beasts, no food, no drink, facing down evil that was working against his mission. He had just been baptized and told, you're my son in whom I am well pleased. You have favor. And then he goes into the wilderness to face down evil in the wild. I think it's interesting. It's like he didn't go into the temple and spend 40 days. He went out into the wild with wild beasts. Um, Samuel did a beautiful devotional, wrote a beautiful devotional for us. It's on the back table. And he took today's lectionary passage about the wild beast and went into Noah because Genesis, that Genesis passage is a part of it now and into 1 Peter, and it's really beautiful. It's seamless to say that there are wild things that we need to clear out in order to live as we were made to shine in this world. So we really encourage you to get a hold of that. We have a letter that we're going to pass out to you, if you wouldn't mind grabbing that, sweetheart. We're going to pass this out at the end, but, you know, we want to ask ourselves, what would it be like if the world were more like God? And especially having to do with going into the wild and fasting some of the wild things in your life or facing up to some of the wild stuff in your life. Anybody got anything wild going on? Yes. Or are you bored right now? (laughs) Because if you're bored, I'll invite you over to my life and I'll share some of the wild beasts with you. (laughs) So Luke 4.1, it says, The devil said to him, If you're the son of God... Take this stone to become bread. You know, Jesus responds, man shall not live by bread alone. The evil one also says to him out in the wild, I will give you all authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus responds, worship the Lord your God, serve him only. The evil one, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written, the angels are coming to get you. And they'll lift you up into their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And, of course, Jesus responds again, do not put the Lord your God to the test. 
Well, I love that Luke, you know, he, he gives all this information, and I love that Mark keeps it out and just says, you're going into the wild, right? Because as we read scripture, we're being invited to enter into the story, not to read it from out here and say, oh, what happened to Jesus? No, but to get right on in and say, what are the wild things going on in my life right now? And can I enter into the wilderness and face it down with words of life, words that come from God's own heart, from me, to live? So we always love to show you uh, our beloved Linda's art during this time. It's on the back. You should take a picture of it and take it home with you. Jesus went off into the wilderness where he spent 40 days asking himself the question, what it was like to be Jesus. During Lent, we are supposed to ask what it means to be ourselves. So you might say, okay, we've done this like for years on end. Do we have to go back to this same passage and this same piece of art? (laughs) Well, I want to tell you why, because at the end of four, it says when the evil one had finished all the tempting, he left him until a more opportune time which means we will always need to face into the wild. We are never going to be done with the gift of Lent to actually say, okay, what's wild right now in my life? What am I overcommitted to? What What is food, drink, technology, relationships? My own view of myself. How can I face into the wild right now? And so what we love is focusing on God while failing to know ourselves deeply may produce an external form of piety, like Scott said, But it will always leave a gap between appearance and reality. This is dangerous to the soul. We cannot, we can't go into our Lenten season just saying, I just want to know what Jesus did in the desert. Jesus is going, I want to know what you're going to do in the wild. And when you can face into the wild, you'll start to look at some of the lies that uh, Henry Nouwen teaches us. I am what I do, tell the stones to become bread. I am what others say about me, throw yourself down because, you know, you're cool. I am what I have. All this I will give you. So there are these these lies, and really, friends, all of you face them in the wild. I am what I have. I am what I do. I am what others say about me. And so we get to actually face into that, knowing that on this particular Lent, this invitation, and, you know, we, we won't get into... Uh, the Enneagram here, but it would be helpful if you don't utilize a personality style to know your interior life, that you find a way to get to know your interior life. Because, you know, an unexamined life is not worth living. I think that was Socrates or Sophocles or Aristotle or some brilliant human. Okay. So what we face into in the wild is our false self, the compulsive, ego-driven, you know, you don't deal with that anymore at all, old nature, (laughs) the deeply entrenched externalized identity, what people say about you, comprised of your roles, your job, persons, masks, and achievements. The automatic self is deeply egoistic and addicted to itself. The false self is competitive, fabricated, and grandiose. When triggered, it poses, postures, spins, hides, defends, judges, deflects, pretends, manipulates, and fears. The false self, or what I'm calling these days the polyester self. Yikes. Not silk, not cotton, 
Okay. The 70s self. <laughs> <laughs> and you can think we of... We called those silk shirts, but they, I, I don't think they, they were. They weren't silk, yeah. no. You were wearing polyester. Those were polyester shirts, yeah. But I, polyester's cool. great. I have on poly today. Okay. But you know what I'm saying? Yes. The fabricated self. And vices. Okay, we're not going to get into all those, but... The false self bases its worth almost entirely on the thoughts about body, job, education, clothes, money, car, performance, success, and more. And that came from that little book that Scott and I wrote a few years ago. And I want to say that I, I, it's more true to me now than when we wrote it. Like I, I get to be more aware of my own inner wild now that I name things. If you're willing to name what you know, God will give you the power to grow through it. God will give you the ability to transform. But if we pretend that we got no polyester in our closet, we're just going to keep going through the motions. We're just going to keep going, going, going through the motions, right? Or, you know, or you guys remember this one, just a fat little baby, wah, wah. They want their bottle and they don't mean maybe. Sing it with me. They sampled solid food once or twice, but doctrine leaves them cold as ice because they're baptized, sanctified, redeemed by the blood. But daily devotion is stuck in the mud. They know the books of the Bible. John 3.16. They got the biggest King James you've ever seen. Just a fat little baby. Wah, wah. Okay. Anyway. Speaking of the 70s. Yes. We can always go back. I, the I, 1900s. And, and back in the 1900s. <laughs> what I know is that the false self has an external form of piety, but no inner transformation. Like there's a lot of external things. We, you know, we could give up food and drink, but if we don't give up our own inner lies... We'll just be the same at the end of Lent and maybe skinnier. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on, everybody. This isn't for us to go on a diet. This is for us to face into the wild. We want to live as the true self, the hidden in Christ with God's self. Mm-hmm. This beautiful person that existed in the mind of God from the beginning. The one you can't earn. The one you can't earn. The one you can't earn, but you get to face into the wild. Say, what's in the wild? What's in your wild? I don't know. But we have a letter that might help. So we're going to pass it out. If I could get a couple of friends just to pass this out. And I'm going to read it to you while it's being passed out. This might help. Dear self, what would the world be like if it were more like God? What would the world be like if you were more your true self? Like God, made in God's image. What is keeping you from living in that truth more fully? It's time to peel back the layers of falsehood and deception that have woven themselves into the fabric of your being. It's time to confront the lies that you've been led to believe about yourself, lies whispered by the voice of doubt, insecurity, and comparison. You are not defined by what you have what you do or what others say about you. Your successes don't define you. Your perceived weaknesses or shortcomings do not limit you. You are not bound to the expectation or judgments of others. You are inherently worthy of God's love as God's very own child. 
In this Lenten season, you're invited to experience this reality in greater measure. Let's simplify, declutter, and fast what keeps you from love and connection to God and others because you haven't loved yourself or allowed yourself to be loved fully. You can let go of the need to, and we've given you space to fill in the blank. I am what I do. I am what I have. I am what others say about me. You can choose to fast and practice simplicity in technology, material things, food and drink, you name it. Choose to see yourself through the lens of compassion, kindness, curiosity, and openness. So, dear self, let go of the lies that have weighed you down for far too long. Reject all evil that keeps you from freedom. Embrace the truth of who you are. You are my beloved child on whom my favor rests. So we're giving you this letter, and, you know, it might hit the circular file as soon as you get home, or you might put it up in your bathroom and daily get up and take a look and say, what would it mean if I were more like God, if the world looked more like God? Dear self, maybe you want to read it to yourself in the morning. Dear self, on this day, what would the world be like if it were more like God? What would the world be like if you were more your true self, like God, made in God's image. Let's stand together. So maybe you could hold this letter for a moment. And as we close in prayer, you can just take a look at maybe what you can let go, the need to, or choose something to practice simplicity in, or to fast. Maybe you know immediately the invitation. Maybe it is strong drink and meat this time. Maybe it is the three lies. I am what I have. I am what I do. I am what others say about me. Just those two little places where you could fill in the blank. Maybe you know immediately that you're addicted to Whatever it is, don't resist the love of God that leads you to freedom. Yes, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit love you here and say, Oh, yeah, I want to free you from the need to be liked, the need to be perfect, the need to be producing, or the need to be special. I want to free you from the need to be wise. Free you from the need to be connected in a group. I want to free you from the need to be adventuring and running. I want to free you from power. I want to free you from the need to avoid pain. Just allow yourself to hear what God wants to free you from in the next 40 days. The freedom God's calling you to out in the wild. To face down anything that's keeping you from being free.
free to love and be loved. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to help us to hear you, even over the next 40 days. What is the invitation to fast or to simplify? So that we can be free to know that we are beloved of God fully. Here are our prayers for all the people who are wondering what is the invitation right now. Here are our prayers for each of us. 